The Water Values Podcast, Session 72. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Water Values Podcast. Uh, I hope everyone had a great Halloween and that you've not uh, overdone overdone it on the candy and all the goodies that go around on Halloween. Uh, we certainly had a fantastic one, so I uh, hope you did as well. Well, we have a great guest today, another individual who serves with me on the AWWA Strategic Management Practices Committee. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, I want to thank the AWWA for now linking to the Water Values podcast uh, in its member resource directory. So if, if you go into uh, those, the, those member resource directories, you'll be able to find links to certain podcasts of dealing with the various topics they have under that. So I really want to thank the AWWA uh, for thinking highly enough of the Water Values podcast to link to it on their site. I'd also like to uh, ask you to please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or any podcast directory on which you listen to the podcast. We'd greatly appreciate your favorable rating and review. So thanks so much for that. Well, today's guest is Scott Haskins of CH2M. He's a senior vice president there and also CH2M's director of strategic consulting. He's got a lot of experience in the utility sector and international experience to go with it. Uh, and today we're going to tap that experience to discuss asset management. This is an incredibly important aspect of utility management, and Scott sheds a lot of light on the subject, and he shines that light on some lesser-known aspects of asset management. He does a great job, and it was a privilege to sit down with him as he has a pretty hectic schedule. So him making time uh, to share his thoughts on asset, man on asset management was really a win for all of us. So thanks, Scott. Well, with that said... Let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Scott, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate your time. Uh, to start off, Scott, could you please tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Uh, sure, David. Um, <clears throat> I've been involved with water for some time. My background, after I got a master's degree from college, um, you know, I wound up um, joining uh, Seattle Water uh, for the city of Seattle. So I go and I have a 30-year career with Seattle uh, Water and then Seattle Public Utilities, which was a water, wastewater, uh, stormwater, and solid waste utility. I was deputy director uh, there and really moved around the organization and had uh, a lot of exposure to, to water. Um, and then eight years ago, I left uh, Seattle Public Utilities um, and joined the consulting world at CH2M Hill. I'm currently involved with, I'm the director of strategic consulting uh, for CH2M Hill, a senior vice president. And um, I am responsible for a number of different practices um, that are that are company-wide, such as asset management, financial management, um, you know, some environmental, um, you know, management, operation and maintenance, uh, management consulting. And so I get involved with a lot of public agencies, private agencies, uh, and the industry itself in a lot of different water issues. So that's a little bit of my background and uh, 
my history with water. Oh, terrific. So, Scott, can you tell us uh, exactly what asset management is? Um, I'm not sure all the listeners know what asset management is. They may have heard about it, but but I'm guessing that not everyone knows exactly what it is. So could you kind of inform us and educate us about that? Yeah, let me comment on that. There's a, a textbook definition for asset management that says that it is uh, meeting agreed customer and environmental service levels while uh, meeting life cycle costs at acceptable levels of risk. There are different variations of that definition, but you're dealing with cost, you're dealing with risk, you're dealing with service levels and balancing those uh, in order to optimize um, uh, your your infrastructure and uh, your operation for uh, customers and and for the environment. Um, there are certain kinds of questions that you ask, such as uh, answer questions around what's the state of my assets, what is the state a sustained level of service and performance that is required for those assets, which assets are critical to sustained performance. Uh, what, what are my best uh, maintenance and capital investment options? And there's methodologies for that that we can talk about. And then what kind of funding strategy um, is, is, uh, is best for those assets? So those are some different aspects of asset management. It's around infrastructure, but a lot of us uh, take a holistic view of asset management and think it's pretty synonymous with utility management. Uh, overall, because it deals with processes, technology, as well as the workforce and the people side of uh, of uh, utility operations. Sure, I I would agree with you uh, wholeheartedly about the the more holistic nature of it, and uh, kind of relating more to utility management than just simply asset management. But uh, could you talk a little about the the various components of it? You went you mentioned them quickly. Uh, but could you go through and, and give us a little greater detail? Let's let's start with the financial piece of it. Um, start with the money, right? Yeah, sure. It's uh, sometimes all about the money. And uh, what I, I think that there are some, you know, underlying principles of asset management, and a lot of these principles uh, do relate to money. Uh, for example, uh, what asset management asks us to do and best practice for asset management is to look at whole-of-life costs, not just to look at capital investments, but to look at operations costs, maintenance costs, and really to – and the risks associated with managing those assets and to come up with um, what's the, the best investment strategy in order to optimize uh, a category of assets or facilities or specific assets assets over the life cycle of that asset. And what you might say is that if you don't do that and don't pay attention to that, that you're really giving the customer um, uh, of, of water, let's say, or the environment, um, you're sub-optimizing and you're really not giving them the best value. So um, it has to do on the money side uh, making investment decisions that are life cycle based, something that we, you, you know, I'm sure you're well familiar with and a lot of the listeners would be familiar with, and that is triple bottom line, which is looking not just at financial, but looking at environmental and social as well as financial um, costs, benefits, and risks in order to make those, um, help make those investment decisions. Sure. And in terms of the, the risk, 
uh, let's just look at environmental risk. I mean, how, how do you quantify that to, to kind of put it into the, into the plan? Oh, that's that's a great question because there there are diverging opinions on that. Uh, there are many that believe that you can monetize um, risks uh, and and impacts, uh, and there are others that use uh, decision models and basically look identify what the risks are, and then when you're looking at the financial equation, you say are these risks significant enough to change the alternatives that I'm uh, pursuing here? There's a, a business case evaluation, you know, is another way that, that often you look at assets uh, and look at investment decisions where you look at, if I did nothing different than what I'm doing today, what would be the costs, the benefits, the revenue impacts, uh, the service-related impacts, and the risks that you know impacts, uh, and then look at alternatives to that. Um, in turn, it could be a capital investment, it could be a change in maintenance strategy, it could be technology investment. What are the different kind of actions, and what would the costs be of those, and what would be the risk reduction um, for that that asset? that could speak to uh, things like uh, the system failure, what would be the, the impact if that, that particular asset or category of asset failed, uh, what's the probability of that, and, and, and really working to uh, minimize or optimize the, um, the, the, the equation that considers the probability of failure as well as the consequence of failure. Sure, and so, these these asset management models, it seems to me, from what you've described, can can vary widely, and I, I'm just kind of curious when a utility is looking at asset management plans. I mean, is there is there a a certain size that your utility ought to be before you really consider uh, an asset management plan? Or I mean, is this a, how does it, how does it scale? Uh, you know, when you're considering the size of your utility? No, that's a great question. Um, and some people can say that there's a, an asset management light <laughs> versus a <laughs> more intensive uh, asset management uh, type of program that you might have because smaller communities, smaller water systems, wastewater systems, uh, sometimes uh, the cap, the investment is, is and and the the staff capabilities aren't as great. But what you can do is you can basically say that there's some underlying um, principles of asset management that you can make more versus less sophisticated, and uh, really achieve your goals regardless of of size. So uh, things like. When I'm making a decision about capital replacement program, am I looking at whole-of-life costs? A second thing would be, and you mentioned asset management plans, for different kinds of categories of assets, let's just say for a collection system in wastewater or a distribution system in, in drinking water or water supply facilities or treatment facilities, for examples, or pump stations, for that category of assets, um, which you you can do things like, do I know what my assets are? Do I have a an inventory of assets? Um, do I know what condition those assets are in? 
Um, do I understand what the risk signature of those assets are? What, what are the most critical assets uh, for my operation? Where do I have redundancies versus, you know, uh, if it fails, you know, there could be some big consequences. What are the maintenance strategies? Am I running these to failure? Uh, and then responding, or am I, do I have a preventive maintenance type of program? Um, and so some of these things like that, um, uh, you wind up being able to um, really scale it, applying the principles and what you know, and then it's a question of how you how refined you get, you get in that and, you know, how you might involve customers, uh, how you might improve um, your business processes, um, how you might uh, have financial uh, or or um, centralized computer management, um, you know, systems or customer systems, how GIS uh, glo um, systems, how you might integrate those. Uh, so depending on the size of utility, some are more sophisticated versus less sophisticated, but you can really apply asset management principles regardless. Right. And you said something really interesting in there. You said a lot of things, but one of the things that I, that my ears really perked up on was when you said involvement of customers. Um, and I think that really ties back to the, to what you, what you said initially when you were describing asset management plans. And that is part of it is, is the service level that you're giving. And it's, it seems to me that, that the utility ought to involve its customers uh, in its asset management plan if it's because the service level, the customers are the ones that are going to be able to tell the utility what the service levels are, at least on, yeah. you know, outages and things like that. I mean, they may, the utility can look at hard data, right? But, but to actually get that customer feedback seems pretty important. Yeah. And I, I'd say I, I see that happen at several different levels. I think one common um, way for uh, utilities and uh, to involve customers is through rate setting processes and rate advisory committees and and things of that nature. That's probably the most common. Um, a second would be um, like levels of service uh, studies that survey customers and ask them what level of service they're they're interested in. In other words. What um, uh, what level of disruption of water service are they willing to um, you know endure, <laughs> uh, or or would they rather have a uh, you know a, a pay more in rates uh, in order to have a higher level of service? Um, so that's common. And then what I am often seeing now, uh, and I'll just use Albuquerque as an example of where they have gone through and they've identified a level of service, um, you know, dealing with disruption of service, like you mentioned, or regulatory performance, uh, efficiency and other factors. And then, uh, but rather, you know, than just say, the utility knows what's best. You know, what they've done is they've gone out to the community, they've uh, created focus groups, and they've gotten feedback from customers um, on, well, what's the, what's the service level <laughs> that you're comfortable with? And, and they've actually made some revisions based on that. Australia has even uh, gone a little further, and they've they've gotten down to certain kinds of work um, and disruption, and said, "Well, 
you know, do you want to pay more to have less disruption of service? And what they found, um, you know, for one major utility over there was that the customer didn't care if there was some disruption of service if it was planned. And maybe even um, if they, they knew what time of day it was, and maybe it was during work hours rather than when, you know, they were getting up in the morning or, you know, having a shower in the evening, you know, those kind of things. So actually engagement of, of, um, of customers is, is truly important, and often utilities start with the service level uh, as, a, as a starting place for this is what we're you know, trying to achieve. Some of these service levels are regulatory driven, but but a lot of others are, are not. So uh, they start with that. And then if you have a higher versus lower level of service, then there's, you know, a cost uh, delta for that that difference. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. You know, I was, as you were speaking, I was, I was thinking in my head about all the different regulatory proceedings I've been in. And there, there's been customer input, but it's been more customer input taking through uh, like some sort of hearing, like a field hearing where the actual regulatory body goes out and, and receives that feedback. I don't, I'm trying, I don't think I've ever recalled a utility submitting studies that it has done of its customer base in support of asset, you know, management projects. And I'm kind of curious if, have you ever seen that? And what, what has been your experience uh, uh, to the extent you've, you've helped, utilities gain approval, right. gain approval of cost recovery for asset management plans? Yeah. Um, well, I would just comment overall that the United States is a little different than some other countries in Australia, Great Britain, for example, and some other European countries. Um, they have economic regulation as well as uh, environmental regulation. And so there's perhaps a little greater accountability in, uh, to a standard. In the United States, um, the standards are, are usually, um, you know, established partly by convention, um, you know, in the industry, but uh, it's really up to the individual utility, the boards, the elected officials to establish that and, and to decide on what level of reporting, um, you know, and, and accountability is, is made public. There's uh, in the Safe Drinking Water Act, uh, water quality performance is, is required, uh, and there's detailed water quality performance, but, you know, there's not, um, you know, kind of regulatory requirements uh, to really talk about levels of service, to, to uh, do a report card, if you will. So things like environmental reporting, uh, uh, are, are emerging as as some priorities. The investment uh, community is is wanting to see more data and information around the performance of utilities. They're interested in looking also at, you know, with aging infrastructure, um, you know, as a major challenge. What are the the plans, the capital plans, the, re, the repair replacement plans, the maintenance plans? Uh, the asset management plans associated with, uh, you know, the integrity of the system and from a customer and environmental point of view. Sure. Now, uh, we've 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 talked a lot about what these plans look like and things like that. What about for the utility that either doesn't have a plan or whose plan is is very inadequate? It's old. It's outdated and stale. You know, what does a utility? What kind of information is needed 
in order for a, yeah. a utility to get started? No, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm going to throw out there one one thing that is uh, becoming more prevalent. And if you basically say that um, your operation, your utility operation and management and asset management, that there are uh, leading practices that are associated with good asset management programs. And you can also say that there are measures of performance, of metrics that, uh, that help, help you under, better understand that. So one thing, a term is called benchmarking, which is about assessing your utility in terms of where it stands relative to leading practice. Uh, to what extent have you developed asset management plans? To what extent have you documented them? To what extent uh, have you applied it across your utility? To what extent is it effective? You know that, and and there's, for example, um, you know, uh, some some uh, effort right now in our industry in the United States, um, you know, to pull together uh, benchmarking uh, that that identifies what these leading practices are. It includes, um, and, and the Water Service Association of Australia has been involved for about 10 or 15 years doing this, and a lot of utilities um, in the U.S. have participated in that. On the metric side, the American Water Works Association has a metric survey. NOQA has a pretty financially oriented survey. So there's basically benchmarking that can tell you how you stack up uh, relative to others in the industry, then you can learn from your peers, you can network with your peers. So that's one method uh, through benchmarking to start with the practices and the metrics, the kind of targets that you, you set, um, and to then develop an improvement plan around where your biggest gaps are and where your biggest needs are. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up benchmarking. That's on my, that's on my topic list. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to just do a podcast dedicated to benchmarking. Uh, once, once you do kind of have your, your, your program in place, you know, so you say you've gone out and benchmarked and you say, Hey, we need to, we need to focus more on, you know, categories X, Y, and Z. How, once you start down that, that process of, of your asset management plan, how, how long do you typically uh, are going to, are you going to have to wait until you see the benefits of that? You know, surprisingly enough, um, there are, you can call it low-hanging fruit, you can call it, uh, you know, more immediate short-term opportunities to save money or improve levels of service, um, you know, that can be done, you know, beginning the first year that you look at it. You know, for example, there are utilities um, you know, some major utilities that have basically invested in asset management and after a year or two have more than recouped their, you know, their investment. Um, you know, there are cases, uh, for example, uh, uh, Seattle Public Utilities, uh, when it started doing asset management, um, they identified about 15% of uh, reduction in initial capital costs by doing business case evaluations that w that we talked about a little earlier, um, uh, and and saved many you know 150 million dollars um, you know of those costs is what they documented, but they also saved life cycle costs far greater than that. 
uh, city of Columbus invested um, uh, $5 million in, in their um, asset management program and pretty quickly um, you know, achieved savings uh, just in their capital program that exceeded that. And they've demonstrated and publicly, you know, presented information that, you know, where they've achieved uh, in their, in their uh, through that business case evaluation, you know, $55 million worth of savings and, and um, additional uh, millions of dollars of savings in in their maintenance activities. So you can you can actually make um, by prioritizing the improvements that you you implement. Um, you're able to make some get some immediate um, you know cost savings. And by looking back at those service levels we talked about, um, by actually establishing a service level, level rather than just having it happen, <laughs> saying this is what we're striving for, having a target, reporting against that target, identifying the kind of actions that, that are needed in order to impact uh, service levels as well as cost. Those are some things that you can do internally, you know, in the short term around performance management that, uh, you know, can get some quick savings. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. There is a lot of low-hanging fruit out there. I mean, I've, I've seen large meter replacement programs go in, and the payback is a matter of months uh, as contrasted with even a year. So uh, once you've got your plan in place, Scott, uh, how often do you recommend or how often do you do you, you think utilities ought to review that plan, make sure they're staying on course? And uh... Yeah, what would be typical would be some form of review on an annual basis because the way that um, investments are made are typically during budget cycles. So, um, you know, what would be an ideal approach and what a lot of utilities are doing is having a quarterly type of process where they have, where they're tracking implementation plans as well as asset performance. They're identifying, they're looking at performance relative to targets, and then what they're doing is they're modifying on an annual basis what they're going to focus on, what the priorities are, um, you know, for the coming year. So they do have long-term plans, that, and it is a journey, but you can basically segment that into initiatives, and you can segment that into annual plans that can be a focus for a, for a utility. And as you were saying you know, earlier, it's a lot like uh, being utility management, not just asset management, and it's a way of doing business. There's, there's also been... Um, you know, processes set up to um, review business case evaluations, um, you know, across functional review, across the different functions of the utility, um, and, and processes set up so that um, that can be ongoing. It's not something that happens, um, you know, just on annual cycles or quarterly review cycles. It can be for all capital projects, for example, the, you know, trying to optimize that capital project and the investment strategy. Sure. And what about integrating your asset management plan with your strategic plan uh, or with it, with any other plans that, that might be present within the utility? No, that's a, that's a great comment because there usually is a bigger context within which asset management or utility plans happen. And strategic plan plans are often what that vehicle is. Um, and so having a strategic plan 
with uh, and then embedding within that strategic plan some goals, some strategies, some action plans um, that relate to asset management. That's the kind of thing that we're we're, we're seeing. We also see um, you know frameworks out there that really help guide this. Um, there's a uh, ISO 55000 asset management standard that's been developed internationally. Uh, in the United States, under uh, EPA's leadership and with participation from industry associations, there's an effective utility management framework um, that exists that has 10 attributes of effectively managed utilities. Um, we, we also have specific strategic plans of, of, uh, of utilities. And um, there are usually many um, utility management and asset management components that are embedded in these uh, strategic plans, as well as facility plans, as well as master plans, uh, you know, and, and some of these are legislatively required um, or, or regulatorily required, but often not, as some of them are voluntary. But you're, we're seeing a lot of these planning efforts uh, that really embed um, asset management as key component. Yeah, Scott, you've been you've been absolutely great. I feel like we've just scratched the surface here of uh, of asset management and all the and planning and the benefits that it, it has. Uh, so I'd I'd love to continue the conversation, but we're kind of coming up against our time here. So could you please tell folks who want to find out more about you and CH2M and, and asset management where they can go to get that information? Uh, sure. Um, well, I have an email address for starters, uh, scott.haskins at ch2m.com. Um, and uh, there's also the CH2M Hill uh, you know, website that people can, can go to and you could find me there, but you can also find the different kinds of programs that we have that would relate to uh, utility management, would relate to asset management and, and related topics. So I think those would be good suggestions. I think that the, the reader, you know, can also, or the listener can also, um, you know, AWWA and, and uh, WEF and and NACWA and, and uh, AMWA, American Public Works Association, and other associations um, have a lot of great information on uh, the subject matter we've talked about here. Terrific. Well, again, Scott, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Okay. Good to talk to you, David. Thank uh, you. You betcha. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Scott Haskins. Great guy and very knowledgeable, as I'm sure you figured out. Well, here are a few takeaways. The first is an important theme that I've talked about in the past, and that's customer engagement. Remember that asset management plans are tools to achieve targeted service levels. And if you, know, if you don't know what your customers want and assume that you already know what they want, I think that's a bad strategy. So utilities, you ought to engage your customers, not just on asset management plans, but on your utility as a whole. You know, we've had numerous guests on that have spoken on this before. We had Scott today, uh, George Hawkins has spoken on that, Donna Vincent Roa, the San Francisco PUC, and many, many more that I'm, I don't have time to mention now. Well, to me, uh, it's just so important that utilities engage with their customers. And while it might seem difficult at first, you'll get better with it over time. 
and the dividends from your customer engagement will be substantial. And one particular situation concerning customer engagement comes to mind, and this is a different kind of customer engagement. I represented a utility, uh, and they had a number of wholesale customers. And uh, when I was, was first starting to represent them, the relationship with those wholesale customers was not as strong as it ought to have been. And over time, we built up their uh, uh, rapport with those wholesale customers. They, we started having uh, you know, quarterly meetings where uh, the representatives from these wholesale customers would come in and we'd give them pizza and talk about what the plans were and, and let them know if a rate increase was coming. Um, and it, was, it just dramatically improved the customer experience. And granted, that's a little different than the retail customer, but it was still... Uh, much appreciated by those wholesale customers. And I think that's just one example where you can greatly improve your relations, find out where you need to improve. Uh, and, and I think all that will feed into these asset management plans that we've talked about. Another takeaway is the scalability of asset management plans. You know, smaller utilities might shy away from them uh, because it sounds like you're going to need some expensive consultant to get the job done. And that's not true. Smaller utilities can take advantage of, as Scott called it, asset management light. And that's, you know, figuring out what's important to your utility and your customers and setting benchmarks and then devising a path forward for how you're going to improve in the areas of most importance to you. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 72. Leave a comment on the show notes or email me at david at thewatervalues.com you can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And please do me a favor. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other podcast directory uh, on which you listen to the show. I mentioned that at the top. Uh, that's a great way for people to find out about the podcast. Also, please sign up for the Water Values newsletter. And again, take the listener survey, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. Well, in closing... Please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.